Welcome to the weekly walk through H-Town, coming to you from the hub of the community, the Heston Public Library, recorded with podcasting equipment sponsored by the USW Local 11228. I'm sitting in solo today, which is why I'm kind of going off the grid with Rust. Rusty is volunteering out at State Golf, and um, I picked my own intro and I have no idea if this is recording or not, so we're just going to hope for the best. So uh, thanks, everybody, for being patient. Uh, we have a great lineup today. We have Roberto and Thomas, who are here from AgCo. And um, Roberto, I think you are the president of the, of the um, USW Local 11228, right? That is correct. And you brought Thomas along because he probably has an equally important role, and I'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. We also have a pair of exceptional young Estonians, some swathers, Hunter Diller and Colton Diller. And so uh, we're going to get to that in just a little bit. But um, we frequently start with a little game, and so hopefully you guys are willing to play along. It's totally safe, um, and so if you don't mind just handing me that sack. The game is called What's in the Sack? If you've been listening to the podcast, you should know that we play this. So I'm going to just ask each of you to guess what you think is in the sack. We're going to start with you, Hunter, because you probably know me the best, so you might be able to think what kind of quirky thing would Susan put in there on episode nine. So am I allowed to ask any questions? Uh, no, you're not. Just guess. A candle. A candle. That's, people are always guessing candle. I should put a candle in there some week. All right, pass it around, please. A feather. A feather. Okay. Thomas is getting ready to guess. A handkerchief. A handkerchief. Hey, these are things I should have thought of. I haven't used those yet. And Roberto says... I feel like it's some type of paper. Paper. Okay. Well, I tell you what, you are close on the paper. Um, and I know that maybe you guys know this game from your childhood, but probably haven't played it a lot. And it has changed slightly. These are from a, an old, like really, really old Monopoly. Monopoly game. Yes. Like I'm not even sure, but maybe these could be from when I was a kid and Nixon was president. You've heard of him, right? Anyway, so these are what I call a chance card. And there are also other cards, uh, as you know, all the listeners know. But um, I thought these were kind of cool because these chance cards, one is go directly to jail. And the other is take a walk on the boardwalk, advance your token to the boardwalk. And the boardwalk is like one of the better ones, right? Absolutely. And so sometimes when we take a chance, which is kind of what you guys did in um, 
your Colton and Hunter, we're going to get to the chance they took, but also a little bit of what the union did in investing in this project. So I'm trying to tie it all together and um, not put anyone in jail like the one card, but we appreciate you guys taking a chance on this project. And I was on another call this morning at which I had to tell what my day was like. And I said, on a scale of 10, it was an eight because I was getting to do the podcast because I love doing this. And uh, my husband's like, you're in heaven today because you are um, like unrestricted. You don't have to answer to anybody. So um, I'm really excited to have you guys here. And I just want to start by maybe saying, could you just tell those people who don't maybe understand what a union or um, your organization does. Can you just maybe give like a little teeny overview for the uneducated? Yeah. Um, so a union is a, um, you know, we we put on the spiel for our new hire orientation. And, and one of the easiest ways that we can describe it is a self-governing organ organization. Okay. And that is, uh, you know, a group of people that come together, um, like-minded, and hopefully strive for uh, the same common goals. So. And I really like, you made that um, very easy for me to understand, even though I have some history of, of being a former educator. I was a member of the National Education Association, which I'm sure you recognize as a union um, for teachers, but self-governing, mm -hmm. which a lot of people would be in favor of having some control over how they're governed. Mm -hmm. And I also am intrigued when I hear you say like-minded because, oh man, are we like, we struggle to yeah. find common ground. And then there was one other piece, I'm sorry, self-governing. Self-governing, uh, like-minded people striving for the same oh, goals. Oh, same goal. And mm -hmm. so what is the goal of your union um, over there at AGCO? Well, I mean, for us, it's it's uh, making sure that we have livable wages, okay. you know, a, a, a work environment that is uh, good for everyone. And, um, you know, the safety aspects So making sure that everyone comes to work does their job and comes in with the same, comes in and leaves with the same uh, limbs that they, you know, came in with. So um, what else, Tom? I mean, benefits, a little bit of everything. Anything that affects an employee's daily activities, we're going to have some kind of effect over. Our, the secondary goal is to also educate the individuals that are coming up next. Oh. So you have... A, a body, a group, you know, like our friends here today may not have a lot of affiliation. Our job is to get out there and to inform them. Mm -hmm. How, you, you know, you do that in a multitude of ways. We want to start younger. Oh, really? Hence, I like hearing that. Hence why the podcast equipment was very vital to us. Okay. It's something that actually our vocal was very interested in prior to being engaged by the Heston Library to do this. Okay. You know, we're like, what? how can we reach people mm -hmm. to, in today's society? So like-minded people, we have to find like-minded people that are younger now because we have an aging workforce. Uh. So when you talk about affecting people's lives, it's we're, we have a lot of people from retirement age mm -hmm. down to an 18-year-old. That's a lot of body of people. And how do you get your message across okay. and find ways to help them? Because not everybody has the ability to come forward with some of the requests they may need, you know, anywhere from women's rights mm -hmm. to all your other demographics across the site. 
you know, we're, we're reaching and touching a lot of people. These are ways we can reach out to people when they may be a little hesitant to come forward. So it, this is an opportunity for everybody. Wow. What, what you just um, spoke about, those are some really visionary things. And I would uh, venture to say that when unions were first established, probably a hundred plus years ago, they weren't necessarily thinking that broadly or that deeply about being a voice for people and and lifting up people's concerns. So I already am like, yeah. wow, this is um, a movement that you know doesn't fit that stereotype. You know, right. sometimes I think people just think, well, they just want higher wages or they just want to make sure nobody gets their arm cut off. Well, both of those things matter a lot. But when you talk about being a voice. And wanting to connect with a younger generation. Now, I'm going to put you guys on the spot. One of you has a mic, but do you have a relative that spent a lot of years working at Agco? Yes, our grandpa on our dad's side. There's, I don't know how many years exactly, but yeah, he worked there a number of years mm -hmm. and has been retired for quite some time. But, yes. but so you have a connection to Agco. But I think sometimes that is challenging in our community. Um, I'm aware that, you know, a big employer and a number of people coming in from a lot of different zip codes, how can the people in Heston connect? So you um, immediately brought to light this podcasting equipment, which is something that I've been e extremely excited about for the last 10 weeks. But um, so you picked the podcast equipment as a way of connecting, but I think I heard something about um, your management allowing people to listen to podcasts on the uh, shop floor. So say more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that was something that, again, uh, an aspect that affects the employees, which we were able to negotiate and, and, and come to an agreement that, that it would be allowed on the shop floors for the longest time. And Tom's been out there a lot longer than I have, but for the longest time, we've been trying to get some type of audio content allowed on the shop floors. Uh, we're about what year and a half into this, yep. where we negotiated, and um, now we're allowed to wear bone conduction headsets, nice. and they sit right on the outside of your of your ear, so that you are still able to put in earplugs. Mm -hmm. And so we still you're still being protected, uh, and you get to enjoy music, podcast, whatever you want. Um, that 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 is that is completely up to you. And I think that itself is just fascinating to me because. I'm old and I'm old school. And there was a time when I was teaching that if everybody wasn't face in the front, eyes on me, hand writing down notes about what I said, I thought, well, they're not listening. I don't matter anymore. What's um, And now I know that these guys could probably speak to it in a little bit. Classrooms look different. Workplaces look different. We know that people can perform a job and listen to music. We know that kids can sit at a desk and sketch and maybe get as much out of the teacher's right. lecture. So I am just really, um, I want to affirm that you did that. So um, what are some other ways maybe you guys have engaged in this community or other communities? Well, I mean, we've, so there's the aspect of what we provide at work, right? There's the aspect of our contract, which talks about benefits, wages, and, and all of all of the other good stuff uh, that, you know, help support the communities in general. Um, but we've, us as a union, we've also tried to um, do fundraisers. And uh, what we, we usually, almost every year, we do a, a food drive for the Heston Resource Center. And um, 
right now we actually just got done doing a raffle for one of our our uh, employees, one of our our sisters on the shelf floor, who had just been diagnosed with cancer for the third time. Mm-hmm. Um, we were able to raffle off some Chiefs tickets, and we got uh, the company to um, match what we were able to raise, and so she'll be getting that benefit here shortly. But some of those co- uh, community outreach events, uh, we try to be mostly involved because if and when um, we need support, we, you know, we're going to be calling on the on the community, and in return, we have to be uh, we have to be there for our community. Absolutely. Go ahead, say more about that. So it's an interesting thing. I mean, we talk about individual pieces, but what most people don't understand when you have the ability to fund your family and you can commit that money then back into your local neighborhoods mm-hmm. your local towns when people ha- when people thrive the community thrives mm-hmm. without if people are struggling the community will struggle sure so it's it's a very close dynamic you know as he was speaking to we will reach out to anybody who needs help where we where we fit, think we have a fit we're there, there's some things inevitably we're going to have to probably decline because it it just won't work out like we want. I get that. But if if there is a, a need, we want to find a way mm-hmm. because inevitably we want to bring people to ACO and then which can also help us become part of this community in the union, in the labor movement. Mm-hmm. So however we can do that and whoever and whoever we can reach, like I said, we have gentlemen here. So this, they have grandfathers, family members that have retired here, have lived here. Uh-huh. And we just don't want to forget everybody. You know, my father retired here this year after 50 years. Man, that's a long career. So, oh, that is amazing. You know, he, he, the people before me gave me a chance to come here. Uh-huh. My job is to help the people in the next generation to have that same opportunity. So keeping the union going, keeping a vitality with ADCO uh-huh. to keep them here is a big emphasis in this union. We want people to have a place to go work and make a livable wage and, and feel good in their communities. Right. We don't want to ship everything off to the, the big metropolitan areas where there is no benefit for the local. You know, we, we have seen this town grow in number of people, but not necessarily grow in some of the things that it offers. Mm-hmm. We need to find a way to bring back those people, keep this site running and thriving so those people will come back and invest in the site again and stay here. Right. I really appreciate that, especially because I think what you're talking about is really bigger than just the union or the company or if it's the town and even the region. Edco, at last I knew, and I think this is still correct, you were the largest employer in Harvey County. To our to this date, we believe that is to be accurate. I think that is accurate. I haven't heard anything different. I'm sure if it's incorrect, someone will correct me, but you know, that is huge. And I know people that drive from a, a pretty that far is. out of the region. And that says something when people are willing to do that. It it shows that they are satisfied. They see a future, that they care about agribusiness. And all of that really, I think, is really important. So do you have some committees within the union that maybe you could say a little bit about? Yeah, yeah, we've got uh, so a little bit of, of that community outreach, uh, our Women of Steel uh, does a very good job of, of keeping us in the community. Uh, but the Women of Steel is is to help empower our sisters uh, that are working in manufacturing today. 
with the change in, in um, you know, the workforce, we've not seen this many uh, uh, women start to work in the place that it has historically been predominantly male. And so we don't necessarily know if the processes, the way that things are being done today are necessarily good for our, our, our sisters that are working out there. So they're being tasked with figuring out if this is right or what, what can we do to make it better for them. Uh, then we also have an organizing committee who is going to be task, tasked with um, recruiting uh, more members, uh, keeping our union strong, uh, number and powers, right? And, and then um, we also had another, another initiative recently to start a Veterans of Steel. And the uh -huh. Veterans of Steel is to the same thing as the Women of Steel, take a look at uh, our, our veterans and see how we can mm -hmm. help them give them that voice that, um, that, 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 they, that they can do something with. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean that, so there's a lot of depth to it. It's not yeah. just a one dimensional. And I think that many of us can learn by hearing you say that. And it's interesting that you refer to the numbers of women coming into this because instantly my mind went to, uh, I think it was about 1942. And my mom came from a little bitty town of near Garnett, Kansas, which is near Ottawa, but she lived in Welda. And she came to Wichita during the war to work at um, Cessna, where her brother was working. And that was a part of the war effort. But while she was there, there was a poster in the break room that talked about the opportunity to go to nursing school. And she ended up leaving manufacturing and going to nursing school. But had she not seen that at her place of employment, then when the war was over, she probably would have just gone home. But yeah. instead, she had a like 30 plus year career in nursing. So it is all interconnected. And I'm hearing that from you. And I really think that's important. And, you know, when I think about this podcast um, equipment, so did you guys expect that this would take off? Or or what are your thoughts about how um, the walk, weekly walk through H-Town is going? I've been trying to keep up with the episodes. I think it's been great so far. Um, no, I, I didn't think it would be this quick. I hope that it would that it would take off eventually, but it's great to see that it's it's taken off. Um, hopefully here soon we'll be starting our own for for our members uh, that other avenue to be able to communicate with them. Um, but that's what I was thinking. I'm not sure. So legitimately, my goal was to find a way to empower the youth. Huh. I want them to have a voice. I want to be able to connect with them. Traditional ways aren't always the best way. Mm -hmm. We have to find a way where they can reach us and we can reach them. And if th this seemed to be a growing fit for a lot of individuals, I mean, how you gentlemen, how often you guys listen to music or some kind of audio or podcast? Um, music, I mean, daily, obviously, but podcast, I'd say not as often, but if I find one that is interesting or spikes my interest, I would listen to the series. But so and that's and that's the goal, right? I mean, we all want to find a common interest. If this is a way for, I think there's sometimes there's a misconception of what a union is. And I think we reached on that earlier. We want people to understand what we really do, mm -hmm. and we want people to embrace that. Then, okay, and how and if it's not fitting today, and if it's not the direction we want to go, we we need people to bring us to the direction that they think this is a better fit. Mm -hmm. So that is the hope for this. Right. Well, and what I want to continue to emphasize, and Jackie, especially here at the library, has been helpful in saying, 
This equipment was purchased by the union for use by the community. And um, at this time, it is being used at least weekly, but it is it is a, um, a checkout opportunity. You, I don't think that at this time it's portable that you could take it home, but this room, we're in a soundproof room at the back of the library by the fireplace. You can schedule, come in here, do your own podcast. So maybe you know a whole lot about fly fishing or about pie crust or about high school sports or picking a college or running a half marathon or writing a book or whatever hobbies. You could start your own podcast. Uh, I have to remind myself that probably just being on one podcast is enough for, for me, but I love to talk. And so, you know, if I could ever get things done around home, I may come up here by myself on a Thursday evening and start a podcast, you know, just that maybe would only be of interest to my family, like telling my story. I've always thought I should write a book, haven't done it, but somebody in the room has. But if I don't get the book written, why I could do a podcast telling family stories. And then in 30 years, my grandkids could listen to it. So, well, what else do we need to know about what's going on over there at Agco? We're always hiring. We're always looking for new talent. Right. And the, what's good about ACO is they do invest in employees. We don't want people to come in and don't feel that they are equipped to be able to do the job. We want people to come in who just want to find a way to earn a living. There's opportunities galore. You know, from the the guy who puts stuff on the shelves to the person who's writing the checks. There's mm-hmm. always an opportunity. There's some one of the things that we think about a lot is. When schools teach you, you know, they say the direction they want you to go is college bound. Not everybody has that same emphasis or that same direction. We want people to know you can make whatever the amount of money you want to make at ACO as well. It's just a matter of applying effort. Sure. I mean, we have people who have started off doing some of the simplest jobs and now they're helping running the show. They're part of the company infrastructure to make that place better. And ADCO made that possible. The union continues to push ADCO to make that possible. We want to invest in our people. We want people to be happy. We want people to enjoy what they do. And we want to build a great product that farmers can use every day and be proud of. And it's made here in America. Right. That That's a big thing with us. We commit to American jobs for American people. Because that is the livelihood of a union. That's perfect. Made in America, feeding the world. Absolutely. Is that your tagline? We have uh, we have similar ones. Made in America by a union, uh, you know, feeding the world. Perfect. Yeah. Anything else, Roberto, that you want to add to um, this? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the the, the benefits and and everything that ACO has. I think we've developed a very good partnership with them. Um, you know, sometimes it can get a little bit rough because we have, you know, we're, we're giving the employees a voice. And, and so we've had a lot of successes with a, a procedure we have, which is called the grievance procedure. Sure. The grievance procedure is uh, our way to challenge man, management's authority to a point. And, and so we've, we've been very lucky and, and um, grateful that, that the grievance procedure has worked out in some cases. And, um, you know, we're here for the employees. This is their union, right? This is this isn't ran by the the five officers that we have. It it, it takes all of us, mm-hmm. right? It takes all of us to keep it going and and to keep it uh, getting better. And so we have another about three years before our next contract. And um, you know, whoever comes in here, they can have a voice. 
help us keep this going and make it much better than what we currently have. I love what you're saying, because I think that if we would take that attitude throughout our whole country, let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Let's make it better. We really probably all basically want the same thing, which is to be able to afford to live a good life and pass that on to others. So I just feel like your message resonates with me a, a, a great deal today. Um, we are super grateful for this equipment. We're going to be asking you to come back again when you probably have some new and interesting things to tell us. But it has been a privilege to have you here today. And feel free to stay, but we're just going to give you the applause. I'm going to try this button. Very good. <laughs> Thanks, gentlemen. And um, yeah, feel free to take off the headphones, but stick around if you'd like to. So We'd like to thank you for having us. Oh. Our message is very important. To us, and like I said, this equipment was important to us as well. And the fact that it's going to be utilized by this community shows the empowerment of what we can do if we all work together. Absolutely. Well, you guys are great. Thanks a bunch. Thank okay. Well, so, so far, so good. No, no one has cried, which is always my goal with Rusty. I mean, my goal is to make him cry with laughter. But um, so we're going to head on through to, to our other guests who also have a deep history in this community. And um, as a kind of a newcomer, I mean, I've been here 31 years, but I think that um, the Diller family has been in Heston for decades longer than that. Do you guys know? I mean, how far back do you have roots here? I have no idea how far it goes back, but there are so many Dillers in Heston that we're all related, mainly all related. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Everyone knows a dealer in Heston, I think. But, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I do not know how long they've been here, but I know that... Been a while. My dad grew up here, and obviously my grandpa lives up here his whole life, so yep. it's been at least 80 years. So Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Well, we are glad you're here, and I'm glad that you said yes. I ask a lot of you guys, and, and you're always telling me yes, so one more time, thanks for saying yes. But, um, Absolutely. So, um, Colton, no big deal, you wrote a book. I mean, what, you know, like... Okay, you wrote a book. But when I heard about it, I'm like, what? Was was that like a school assignment or what? It was not a school assignment. Actually, probably only about 10 people knew the whole year and a half that I was actually writing one. And then it was, I was wanted it to be kind of a surprise. I mean, it, it's, I didn't really want it to be like a thing where I just go tell everybody. I kind of wanted to just keep it on the low a little bit because it, it's not that, I mean, it's just it's what it is. So I. I appreciate that. And it's, it was, it was a lot of fun for me to do. So I yeah. really enjoy it. Well, I tell you what, I really admire you that you kind of kept it on the down low. Is that even a word anymore? But is it now just abbreviated to low? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> Once again, for the aging population, don't say down low anymore. Just say, keep it on the low. Um, because Colton, I've told people for decades, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book. And it's going to be about being an only child. And the name of it's going to be Bingo for One. And I don't even have paragraph one. And you kept it on the low. And you've already completed your book. And there's a copy sitting right there in front of you. So tell me, um, why did you do it? I mean, I, you said you kind of wanted to keep it to yourself. But why? Why Why did you write a book in the first place? Well, I realized that I love to write. I can just write, just, I write for fun a lot. And I figured that, you know, I feel like I have decent knowledge to share and I like to help others and do things for other people. And I figured that, you know, I might as well just put it in, do I just keep writing on Google Docs and see how far it takes me. And so I got quite a bit written and I decided to format it into a book and 
now it's a book. So, I mean, it didn't really start as a book. I just kind of started writing as just... Like a train of thought, maybe? Yeah, it was kinda? more just like I'm laying in bed thinking about kind of what, just have ideas pop into my head or just different things that I think could be useful to other people. Uh -huh. And I just figured that I'd write them down in my notes and then expand on them later on. So I'm one of those people who can just write something and then just keep on going and going. So it's just, it was really fun for me to be able to just write and do that for others. And I'm going to just say, and I don't know if this is true, but I think the ability to express oneself has evolved and grown um, exponentially. I have trouble with that word, but you know where I'm headed. Over the last couple decades, when I first started teaching in 1981, um, um, my students hated to write, and they usually wrote in a notebook, spiral notebook, a little journal entry every day, and I would give them a topic like, what are you looking forward to about Thanksgiving or something like that? And it was a, a struggle, but I think your generation, if you don't mind me saying that, has been on social media where you're expressing thoughts, you're texting, you're emailing, you're communicating a lot. And I hope that that has been a part of your empowerment. But um, I love that you said, I love writing. It's easy. So say a little bit about the publishing process, because it's one thing to get your ideas on paper, but to get published is huge. So actually, I contacted a publisher about a year ago, about this time, and I was I thought I was close to being done, but I really wasn't because I didn't realize the editing part would take as long as it did. But I contacted a publisher and talked to them on the phone. And actually, they said like how many, what they would do for me, everything. But they wanted like about $3,000 for it. Pocket and, change. Well, I didn't think it was worth that investment. And so I actually talked to one of my, I think it's my dad's cousin, writes children's books. Mm -hmm. We called her and said, what would you do about this? Because we... And first thing she said was, don't go to the publisher because they just want your money. So what she, so what, she, what she suggested was to go to Amazon, and you can do it all through there for free. And so what I had to do for Amazon was I had to upload my manuscript, upload the cover, do all the what, the width, the dimensions of the book, the what type of, what type of paper I wanted, the, the number, IBN number, the mm. just everything that is the publisher would do, I had to do I guess on my own but it was free and that was basically the biggest goal because I didn't want to make it a huge investment for, uh -huh. for me so and that cousin is that Janelle Diller yes, yes. Yeah. she I just want to give a plug Janelle mm -hmm. Diller um, writes children's books and that's you know the fact that she sent you to an easier route mm -hmm. I think is awesome and when you start talking about what you had to do like page dimensions and paper quality I never would have guessed I was not prepared for you to say that. I thought you would just say, I want this picture on the cover of my book, which, by the way, is titled Perspective. Um, so you, did you enjoy those little details, like picking the layout and stuff? So I would say probably the hardest part, the most frustrating or motivating part for me to have motivation to do was definitely the uh, editing and getting all the, the dimensions and everything, because... Amazon needs it like perfectly, like they want it perfect. They they don't do anything. So if it doesn't like qualify for their, oh, for their, uh, but it doesn't qualify for them, then they won't uh, accept it. Okay. Because I got rejected a couple times, and then I finally finally got through. But I had to watch a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of Safari searches, just to see kind of what method I had to take, and they brought me right to what. It was very helpful. I mean, they had a lot of steps on how to do it, but it definitely took a lot of motivation because it's one thing to write, but then to do the actual itty bitty details that actually mm -hmm. make the book actually function was yeah. pretty 
it got pretty pretty old. But so. you were, you stuck with it. Yeah, that was the hardest thing for me. I mean, I just finding motivation was definitely the hardest part. Just okay. because I could go just do other things instead of just writing. But when I had time, I just write and. I actually just wrote at school sometimes in classes just because mm-hmm. we don't do anything. And so it it just, I, I had to find time and make time. Sure. So. Right. So the process total, 24 months-ish? Well, I started my sophomore year spring, so about a year and a half ago. Okay. And so I was writing for about a year, and then I had to go edit everything numerous times. I read this book probably over 10 times and I will not be reading it anytime soon because it, I, I'm, I'm just kind of tired of it. So, okay. So just to give the listeners a little idea of what this book, cause some people could think, Oh, well, I think they used to have a dog. Maybe it's about how to train a dog and just gives perspectives on that. But this really is sort of about your faith journey and about um, infusing that into daily life. And like, there's one chapter right here that says, finish what you start, which is what you did with this book. You, started it and you finished it so you uh, that is huge tenacity is a big deal which we're going to kind of continue that theme in a little bit but how how do you how did you tie your faith into these various chapters because i see another one is respect mother and father figures in your life and another one is nobody is above anybody else in god's eyes can you just say a little bit about the angle the perspective that you took in this uh, book Colton? so i've always thought I've had decent knowledge or different a decent idea on how to go like I live my life and I just figured that you know maybe people won't agree with it maybe they'll have another perspective but I believe that a perspective that sometimes all you need in life just a different view on things or a different way to go about things is can really switch your life and change things around and so I wanted to give my perspective on how to do that from a young age and how I go about my life and just different lessons that I thought were important that I've learned to expand on them through faith and how you can get through certain things. And so I figured that, you know, I really think that a new perspective is sometimes all you need in life. And if you can find that new perspective, then you can really live a whole new life. And so I just wanted to try to help other people with that and being able to write a book and doing it that way was something that I thought was the best way I could do that. I appreciate that very much. And I think that actually ties in a lot to what we were hearing from the uh, gentleman from the union is helping and giving people opportunity and, you know, may or may not take it, but at least that's there. So Colton, I'm going to just try this button again. Hey, it worked. All right. So, you know, speaking about tenacity and sticking with something, um, Hunter, you just finished a short little race. How long was it? 13.1 miles. 13.1. I love the way that we always say it's 13.1 because I tell you, you even feel that one, that point one, you feel it. So tell us about it. Like, where was it? And what, what if I know a lot of details, but not, um, you don't talk about this a lot. So I want the listeners to hear the scoop. So it was the Prairie Fire um, half marathon in Wichita. And I just wanted to do a half marathon for a few years now so I decided to just do it now and decided to do the one in Wichita I thought it'd be a good starter one so um it was uh the route do you want to know like yeah why don't you say a little bit that's a pretty flat route because it's Wichita so say a little bit about that because that makes a difference when you're doing a long race right yeah so the route was very flat besides one 
hill towards the beginning. It was pretty gradual, but um, it was uh, like down Douglas in Wichita. And sure. Turned around about mile three, and then went down the hill. So you gotta have a downhill, and then uh, started going downtown, um, and then kind of by the river, and then wrap right back around, uh, then to the finish line. So very nice that it was flat and there's just a very a lot of support from the uh wichita community and really nice just running community and nice other runners and everything that that makes it worth it doesn't it oh, yeah. yeah when when it's scenic and when you have stuff to look at and people are out and have the garage bands or yeah. giving out little pieces of candy or, or things yeah. like that that makes it worthwhile so um you know kind of keep it don't don't tell me every single step but what are some of the steps that you did in training for this half marathon because it's a process yeah so i did a 12-week training plan it only it turned out to be 11 weeks because it got bumped back a week but so it's a long run on saturdays and then about three to four runs during the week and then um on saturdays the runs just get bumped up a mile up until about the longest one is about 10 to 12 miles so usually they say if you can do 10 miles you can do 13 miles which some people agree with some people don't but um so the training is i decided to get up in the morning to run just to get it done with it's nice to just do it before school and it's really nice out and so i ran a few times in the evening like after school too but so it's um about oh, 12 weeks i guess so and 12 weeks spread over um, kind of a, a pretty hot season yeah, here in Kansas. About, um, August, I think. I don't remember the first mm-hmm. week. But. Yeah. But it's it's not like it, you were running in 40, 50, yeah. 60 was degrees. It? You were running some, on some 90 degree days because mm-hmm. I saw you. And that yeah. that's rough. That's and, why it was nice to get up in the morning. It right. Was the start of the day. Very wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was dark out some of the time. So that was just nice to start your day like that, I guess. And so. what's the rule when you're running and it's dark? What, what little... Wear a light. Wear a light. <laughs> Wear something reflective. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I think somebody preached that to you a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, so what was some, some of the frustrating things during this training? Um, what 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 did you have to power well, through, Hunter? Not, not every day was easy. It, didn't, it wasn't just smooth sailing. I remember one of the long runs. I think it was maybe a nine-mile day. It just didn't go super well, I guess. Some days just aren't. Some days just go really well just a nice run and then some days are just they just don't go well your legs hurt your stomach hurts your it maybe the weather's not super nice so you just have to not let it get to you I guess and you just have to keep going even when it's not super easy so right and we hear people talk about a runner's high and I don't know that we've used that term a lot but I mean there definitely is such a thing in the endorphins and and the benefits that that has not only for physical but mental health but you don't always get that Every day, yeah. but did you feel like you got a pretty good runner's kick and uh, on that actual race day? Yeah, once you get started, I would say for me, mile four was the hardest because it was on the same road after you turn around, so it was not no change of scenery, and then you kind of think about it, you're like, oh, I still have nine miles to go, versus you're like mile nine, oh, I I only have four more miles to go, and it's a different change of scenery, sure. which really helps for me. So I, I can very much identify with that. So what surprised you during the training and then also on the day of the race? Um, all the training you put in, you'll get out of the training what you put in, I guess. So 
it just really, um, I don't know, I guess that probably is what I would say. Yeah, and that's true in life, isn't it? I mean, I think you'd say that about the workplace at Agco. That's true at school. That's true with writing a book. That's true with parenting. I mean, what you put into it, you can't give your best every day. You can't be 100%, but if you show up and give something, it usually pays off. So would our listeners know anybody else from around the community who ran that race? Um, so Diane Jost did it, and same with her daughter, Allie. Mm-hmm. And those are probably... I mean, we kind of all did it together, so. Right. And last week, uh, we have a theme going, but I think it's just a two-week theme. Misty Ullman, who is the um, fire um, chief for Heston, she also ran. Mm-hmm. And um, we, so we talked to her, but really not about the race. We are talking to her about Fire Safety Week. But so, well, Hunter, what's next for you? Well, I want to do another half marathon, but now that we're going into winter, there's not a ton, but probably next summer or fall I'll find another one so um or maybe a shorter distance so sure for sure want to do some more races because I enjoy doing that kind of thing so awesome yeah I really admire you for doing it and I I don't want to say I told you so but I kind of did tell you didn't I that you're gonna as soon as you get rested up you're like when's my next race Mm -hmm. I'm ready to go and and that's a cool thing um speaking as a person who decades ago I mean it is multi-decade now I ran half marathon um I did one and done, but I, you mm. were a lot younger and I know that you won't do that. So Hunter, really admire your tenacity, be safe on the streets, um, but you got to have a reason to buy new shoes. And oh, yeah. the best way to justify that is to keep running. So you applause. Excuse that way. That's right. Yeah. Applause for you, Hunter. And thanks. So if anybody needs to leave, I understand because I do know that people need to get on with their day, but I just want to say that, um, Friday night, Heston hosts Collegiate, and it's a battle for the district championship, and both teams are 3-0 in district, and the Swathers should be assured of a home playoff game to open the postseason. And over at Heston College, men and women's soccer wrap up their regular season with a visit from the Beavers on Wednesday, and the women's game kicks off at 5 with the men to follow at 7.30. HC Volleyball also finishes up the regular season on Wednesday by hosting Labette at 6.30. If you want a preview of Heston College Women's Hoop, the Larks are hosting Life Prep in a scrimmage on Thursday at 6 in the Yost Center. There is all kinds of stuff going on around town. I know that the... Um, um, Showalterville is preparing for their um, Blue Stem Gala. I know that um, the Senior Center just did a um, health fair. We want to encourage people to stay healthy this winter, and you have to decide what that looks like for you, but um, there's a lot of opportunities for that. Next week, Rusty tells me that we are going to celebrate Halloween by having um, some ghost stories, and he'd like to hear it, or I don't want to because it'll scare me. But um, better yet, he'd like for you to come and maybe tell one on our edition, um, tales specifically of haunted Heston as we close in on Halloween. So you might just think a little bit about that and um, email us at hestonpodcast at gmail.com and Rusty will get back to you. But um, most of all, I just want to thank again the local for supporting this equipment. I want to thank Colton and Hunter for getting out of class. I want to thank Mr. Rhodes and uh, Vanessa for helping you get out of class. And everybody around town, just be safe. Have a great week. Let me see if I can remember which button is the music instead of a moo. But um, again, coming to you from the hub of the community, Susan Lamb on um, 
USW Local 11228 Equipment. Until next week, we'll see you and take care, everybody. Bye. Very good. We did it. Hey. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate all four of you being here with an old person who is like, Probably. I didn't. I didn't feel that age at all. I might still be <laughs> no. recording. I think I am. <laughs> <laughs>